0: Friends only want to talk business. I got expensive to win and expensive. I got expensive to win and spend. I've been reading out of work. Now I'm shutting nine stars when it rain and a force, And I'm ready to smoke. Now I'm reading out of work. Now I'm shutting nine stars when it rains and a burst. And welcome to this audio only version of. Put That Coffee Down, the Freight Sales Show for our Closers. My name's Kevin Hill. I'm your host today, and I am joined by none other than my former co-host on Put That Coffee Down, Mr. Richie Daigle. It's, glad, it's so good to see you again. It's
1: good to be back, Kevin. Thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, this is it's bringing back memories. It's good to be back on the show
0: it it is and for those of you uh those listeners out there who didn't realize Richie had left or didn't know where he went to i did not uh i did not bury his body at the 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 backyard huh. anywhere he's still alive and well and um and Richie let us know. Tell tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. Yeah.
1: So uh, I, I joined the team at Tive, uh, the wonderful people based up in the great city of Boston. Um, it's a pretty, pretty compelling product and company to be a part of. Uh, so yeah, it's part of the big charge of making sure that shipments arrive on time and in full. And you know we believe every shipment matters and uh, we have a solution that can help more and more shipments get to where they're supposed to be. And, uh, yeah, it's exciting. So happy to be there and, and looking forward to seeing what we can do.
0: And that's a device, too. Uh, the, the core piece of, of the proposition there is a device that you put on
1: pallets. It screen. is. So it's a solution that has three components. There's a hardware component, which is the device itself. There's a software component, which is the intuitive alerts and visualizations that we have in our, in our software. And we have a people component, the, the service that we provide and monitoring services and, and just our overall service as a whole. And, you know, you combine all three of those and you have a pretty robust solution for understanding not only where your shipments are anywhere in the world, but what conditions are they in at any given point in time. Um, and so with that awareness and real time awareness, uh, allows people to know what's going on and make better uh, decisions and be proactive when when issues arise and ultimately helps more and more shipments get to where they're supposed to go.
0: Fantastic. I'm glad uh, you're enjoying your new gig and everything's going, going well for you, Richie. Let's talk about partnerships and sales partnerships and what that means. So we're going to define that and we're going to work through some instances of how you su- can succeed with sales partnerships and uh, partnerships in general and where and when and how certain of those fell. So Richie, first of all, define partnerships. Yeah. Right?
1: Partnerships are, you know, they're business relationships where you're not necessarily exchanging money with the partners, but you're working together. You're saying we have, X amount of value that we can bring to the table. You have something slightly different. We may be speaking with the same people. We can partner together and work together to ultimately drive a more robust solution to our prospects. Um, this is my own words that I'm thinking of on the fly right here, but uh, yeah.
0: Well, and it, it it is very similar to business partnerships, right? You're offering complimentary services. You can combine bundle that into one service or tangential services i suppose it is another way to put that but uh, as research shows over and over again uh, 75 80% of business joint ventures partnerships m activity kind of fell to to meet their ultimate goal or that you've, you the optimism uh, that everyone rushes into a partnership uh, thinking that this is gonna be the greatest thing on on earth, and ultimately it does not live up to the hype in, in a lot of ways and there there's there's reasons behind that um certainly right there's certainly reasons behind that uh what what's your take on on kind of you know let let's concentrate more i i think we we want to concentrate more on on sales partnerships and and lead generation together and closing the door, opening the door, closing the door uh, together with someone from a different company, right?
1: Yeah. And I think that to your point, my experience has been a lot of partnership conversations or there's one conversation and everything is like, Oh, this sounds great. Yeah. You got cool things. We got cool things. We can work together. And then you never hear from them again. Right. And then like everything just gets dropped. And That's kind of the extent of of the partnership. Like, oh, yeah, we're partners, but like, what are you doing? And then there's some companies on the flip side, like I heard one, I forget the name of the company. They only sell through partnerships, Kevin. They have no outbound. They have Mm -hmm. no, like, literally every dollar they sell is through a partner. And if they do get inbounds, they're like, no, you need to go talk to one of our partners. That's the only way we're going to work with you. And so um, I think that there's a lot to unpack here, and I thought it'd be you know, fun to talk about with you.
0: Yeah, it, it reminds me of, of kind of what I always say, too, the, the riches are in the niches. And developing partnerships, selling through partnerships is a niche. It's, it's not something that you get excited because you meet somebody at a networking event or a conference, and you're like, oh, yeah, we can work together. <laughs> it's not quite that simple. You you really have to know what you're doing. You have to go through the mistakes. You have to, to keep on keeping on in, in a lot of ways uh, through a couple three failures to really learn and and know exactly how to do partnerships. And it's it's not an easy thing to do because you you have to make your sales today. You, you have to worry about those types of things. And it's more of a long term vision or or plan. But it's something that you really have to specialize in, like like you said, that the company that only sells through partnerships, you know, they have really went all in and developed a model that that works for them, instead of just saying, "Oh, this is a great idea. Let's just do this, and it will just work out magically."
1: And there's a lot of different types of partnerships. You know, you have your like like at at Tive, we partner with. Everybody in the visibility space, right? Like we're partnered with both Forkites and Project 44, as well as macro point and Blue Yonder, and 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 the list goes on and on and on. Um, and but we're also starting to partner with like consultants, right? And those and those types of partnerships are different, you know, like with what you're going to do in the consultant consultancy realm, as well with other similar, you know, complementary services. So there's different types of partnerships and in the the relationship between you and your partners with what you're offering and what your partners are offering, there can be some things there that some nuance, if you will, that can dictate how that partnership works. Ultimately, I think if everybody is driven towards driving value to the customer, then all these things tend to get kind of worked out, you know, um, and I think that's the key to everything. It is ultimately driving a more robust solution to the end client or end prospect. I,
0: I, I take it that you've been trying to work on some, some partnerships yourself, Absolutely. and that's the reason why it's such a big topic in your mind right now. Um, which is, you know, normal. I mean, you should be looking out for for partnerships. Uh, is but but it's a little is it a little bit different than referral sharing, right? Because you go to a lot of networking events. People are handing out cards, and you kind of partner with somebody to, to, to feed off referrals, right? So you know you you find this in in every town in America, right? The, the real estate agent and and the mortgage agent kind of work together that they, they kind of refer leads, or maybe it's the um, the life insurance salesman and the real estate agent, yep. right? Uh, things that, that certainly are separate, I guess, mortgage and, and real estate would be kind of a, a tag team. It would be a, a true partnership that, that we're talking about right yeah, here. Yeah, right? those
1: are complementary services. But there's also like you could think about it, too, like in the real estate uh, example is, you know, commercial versus residential or, um, you know, something along the lines of uh, residential within one city and residential within a city two hours away. Um, like, like there, there could be, and kind of, and, th- and that might exist within the same umbrella or, or organization, but there's ways to kind of fill gaps or fill blind spots. You know, you can think about it and this is just the world that I'm in right now is that, you know, Tive oftentimes fills in gaps and other visibility holes. And so we can come in and be like that more robust solution or, or provide visibility where others can't. And that's kind of the partnership is, is finding where two companies that are doing maybe similar things, but slightly different ways can work together and say, hey, my strength might be your weakness and vice versa. How can we formulate an end product meshing our two companies together that drives a more robust or holistic solution to the, the end user? I think that's where partnerships are at their healthiest. Um, and, and there's a lot of mutual benefit that can occur from that.
0: So there is, you know, there the, the, the definitely is. It, you think part of it, especially on the sales side or the sales angle uh, as a, a account rep or account manager, uh, is that sometimes you don't have the power, right? Your goals and the organization that you work for, their goals might not be in, in sync to, to bring it on someone from the outside. And, and sometimes that's looked on as unfavorable.
1: Uh, in, 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 certain roles. Absolutely. I think that for any good partnership, there has to be trust and that trust has to be built upon, you know, understanding that I'm not trying to do you disharm and that this is like, how is this benefiting all parties? You know, in, in any partnership, you know, there's, there's gotta be in any situation you're bringing a partner in, how's that benefiting you? How's that benefiting the partner? How's that benefiting the end user? And that needs to be communicated very clearly to everybody so that you know your, your boundaries, you know why we're here, um, and there's that trust. You know, I think that without trust, it, it's, there's, a, there's a level of vulnerability in partnerships that you have to address and, and you have to meet head on. Um, and there's also a level of education with understanding you need to know everything about what your partner's offerings are. You know, and you need to know, uh, you know, what your your offerings are and how the two fit together. You know, you you can't you can't just be floating a name and <laughs> and, and expecting that to do all the all the rest. You know,
0: I, I guess everything that is worthwhile is difficult, and it is also part art, part science. Yep. Right. So, so we're talking about science really there, you know, how it fits, how to quantify that, how to come up with that, that a business plan. We we're talking about business plans right before we got on air here and, and putting numbers to things. But there's an art to partnerships as well, in our, because basically you're, you're you're interacting with not only the customer, but also a business partner. And that uh, can be challenging sometimes because let's face it. we're all powered by our self-interest in a lot of ways right we want to we want to help people out we want to even you know even then helping people out i can't think of the word for it right now but helping people out um you're still you know basically the 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 discipline of economy or yeah Mm -hmm. economists right is is that self interested in indi- individual so how do you get two self interested individuals to, to to work together is um is it is difficult so it is
1: it, it definitely is and i think that i mean speaking from my own experience when I'm approached by a partner, there's this immediate like what are you trying to take away from me altruistic,
0: yeah, that's yeah, yeah. What altruistic. Yep. I would have forgotten that if i let you you go on altruistic we're all altruistic yeah but we're also self And So how do you balance that? Yeah,
1: Sorry. And, and I think that's like one, like when I get approached by a, a partner, it's, you know, what, what are you trying to take from me? <laughs> what do you want from me? Like, what, how is this going to work for mm-hmm. my benefit? Like there's this skepticism that always kind of comes over initially. But I think.
0: Just like a customer, yeah, yeah. right? Every customer, the, the, the first time you, you talk to them or you get in front of them, they are skeptical of everything. There's, you a, d- there's a
1: double sale happening, right? Like you have to sell yourself to the partner and then sell yourself to the pro- to the prospect. And like both of those involve trust. And I, I think that, you know, you, you have to be able to work through that. You have to show curiosity and you have to listen to people. You have to listen to where they're struggling and be willing to help, right? And, and I think it's like any other sales process you want to uncover pain and you want to drive real value to your partners. Um, otherwise like why, what's in it for them? You know? Uh, so I think you have to have an open dialogue and and be vulnerable and, and communicate well, um, and listen well and drive real value. And then I think when there's trust there, What you're doing is you're bringing two different solutions together that can work and fill in gaps for one another and ultimately drive more value to the end user. So I think partnerships are really important going forward for the end user experience. So, you know, you hear all this talk about we want fewer tabs, we want to be in fewer platforms, we want everything. Well, like that involves some sort of level of companies working together. Um, and I, I think the companies that start doing this aggressively today and are open to partnerships and being vulnerable with one another and working and getting driving value towards clients, whatever the cost, uh, to a certain extent there, I think those, those companies are setting themselves up with a, for a lot of success. And I think the companies that are defensive, standing off, not wanting to play with other companies, we got it all figured out. We know what's going on. Get away from us. I think they could get left on an island here in five years, and they might be in uh in a challenging situation
0: yeah and I, I think uh, freight tech certainly over the last five, ten years is all the tech tech v c money coming in everyone wants to work together, right Everyone wants to integrate have that you're talking about so many tabs, so many screens uh that one screen solution is is as far away as it was six, seven years ago, I think. Uh, maybe it's a little bit closer, but it's not much closer. And it's it's getting everyone to to play nice together. I, I think everyone kind of wants to, but but it's it's that trust. It's that um, you know, it, it is is it, that, that trust question. Is that doability questions? Because there's only so much, so so many hours in the day. There's only so many, uh, so much financial resources. Yeah. That, that each person or company has and to kind of bet it on a partnership with another company, partnership with another a salesperson from a different company, is there's a level of risk in there that is hard to quantify. 100%. I
1: mean there's gonna be risk in everything to a certain extent. And you have to measure that and you have to take that seriously. But I think it's easy to lose the forest for the trees, you know, when thinking about partnerships as well. And in the short term you can be thinking about am I going to win right now and what am I getting out of this right now in this instance and you might be missing the the benefit of of getting in a good relationship initially that could yield a lot of good results down the road you know
0: well yeah that's no, a good point because it's it's a long-term strategy it is not a short-term strategy right. and i think that's that's a mistake that we all get into especially in business is that we want to think long-term and act short-term yep and that is never a recipe for for success it really isn't it's a long-term strategy you have to treat it like a long-term strategy which means that you have to have a short-term strategy that is different that will get you to that long-term strategy
1: if that makes sense it it makes me you know you said strategy like 20 times there and that makes me think of like some new quote (laughs) that i love which is uh you know Mm -hmm. strategy without tactics is uh the longest way to victory and Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat, you know, and, and I think you have to have a strategy. Mm-hmm. Like even if you're not tactical, if you're strategic, you're at least thinking big picture. Um, and if you don't have any big picture thought, and if you don't have a, a view of the forest and it's all tactics, I think that's where you get dangerous and, and it's hard to build trust that way.
0: So let me ask you a, a very difficult question, Richie. Is reading Sun Tzu – the Art of War, is that a tactic or a strategy?
1: Uh, it could be a bit of both. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know, right? I don't know the answer to it. That's the reason why I asked you, the I philosopher.
1: I there's, there's great tactics in there as well as great sh- – I mean, I think there's both are well-represented. Um, yeah.
0: Well, but both are well-represented, but the act of reading awesome. the book, is that a tactic? Or is that a strategy? I, I think it's probably a tactic, would, right? A tactic to to take you to that leads you to your, or not leads you to the, your strategy, but is part of your strategy. Yeah,
1: right? I would say it's more strategic because it's it's informing your overall, you know, kind of vision or how you approach everything. You know, like I, I think a lot of the the philosophy type mm-hmm. stuff is, you know, before Facebook rebranded, like the popular term out there was meta i want to get meta i want to see everything at the big picture like how how are you looking at the world what's your lens you know and, and i think philosophy mm-hmm. and, and sun Tzu and that sort of stuff is kind of impacting how you approach or look at anything um and so i, th- I would say that'd be more strategic and then it can that strategy can filter down into your tactics
0: and i, and I don't want to derail the conversation by talking about the art of war but I, I can't highly i, I can't rec- recommend reading it more than i mean i mean I, it's a must read if if you haven't read the art of war you are behind in the it's game it's a
1: good one i think it's i think there's a lot of, of books that I kind of stick up there in that um, in that realm but yeah that's a classic i think that's that's one that you, there's a lot of like great one liner two liner quotes that <laughs> come out of it too so yeah <laughs>
0: The, the, there is uh, because it is one line at a time, right? I mean, it's it's not a, a a dense book. I mean, you can read it in a day. You can listen to it yep. in a day. If you if you're going to do a three hour drive, you, you can you can finish the entire book. Uh, I I read it once a year at least. Yep. I now that I'm talking about it, I'll probably read it this weekend because <laughs> it's a, it's an easy manageable read. And I, I tell you what, it's there's such good content in there that is, it was timeless yep. right i mean it's timeless it's the the bedrocks of of strategy it
1: is it is and there's another book that i can't think of right i was looking to see if i had a copy of it behind me but i don't but um yeah there's another there's a few other books that are similar that are, that always come up as like these are short must reads um but yeah yeah and, and the, you know art of learning from josh witzkin is one of my favorites and that's kind of sharing a lot of the same types of—I mean, even in the title—is somewhat similar. But yeah, all—all all good things.
0: <laughs> they are—they're they, <laughs> getting I, because I love books. I, I love business books and, and sales books and things like that. And, and another one that I was recommending to our TV team not too long ago because we were just sitting and, and talking, and, and it just came up is a subtle art of not giving that, that up. <laughs> Which I mean is a vulgar title, well, you know. It's trucking, so, but it is uh, it is just a new way of thinking about a timeless thing that you, you only have time. There is no reason to worry about what you can't yeah. control. You get to choose your own problems in life because life is nothing but problems. If you are trying to avoid problems, you are going to be unsuccessful. You have to embrace problems because happiness comes from sol- solving problems. And what we get is the choice of what problems we want and to I solve think, you know, when, if we when, want to take you it. You start
1: thinking about solving problems. And I, mean, I, I think this applies to partnerships to a certain degree as well. It's like mm-hmm. everybody it is hyper-focused on some I, – or I say this as everybody. I think a lot of people and myself, I can fall into this trap too. You, you start getting kind of mystified with some version of utopia. Oh, we can solve this as like, mm-hmm. I'm going to solve everything. I can do this and bring you this end goal or like, you know, the ends justify the means, so to speak, when you start thinking about some sort of perfection into the future. And like that rarely ever really exists. Like nothing is perfect. Like you you don't necessarily solve problems as you ease problems. Like, like there's always going to be people that are destroying shipments while they're in transit, like, like, <laughs> like, as long as humans, you know, like, like, yes. things are gonna happen. So it's, it's not necessarily that you're like, we're gonna end the destruction of all shipments forever and ever. It's like, okay, like, what are you gonna actually do? Like, that's not a thing. Like, if you start, evil is going to come from you trying to reach some sort of utopia. But it, if you can make things better, you know, in solving problems is you are lessening pain. You're, you're not removing pain, you're making it not as much. And, and I think that that is important. And I think it's important to like level set your expectations. And, and it, when you're going into a partnership conversations, when you're going into sales conversations, you, the idea of some sort of utopia, I think it, is dangerous. I think it's so dangerous. I think you have to be honest and you have to be able to uh, speak in real terms.
0: How about picking a, a sales partner or a partner and, and you know what kind of due diligence that do you need to do? What kind of questions you need to ask them and yourself as well? I mean, what traits are you looking for right now? I mean, you're looking for partnerships right now, Richie. What are some of the key characteristics, traits that you're looking for uh, for for the person themselves? and the organization that they work Yeah, for. I
1: mean for us specifically at Tive, you know, we're looking like we we can push the data from our trackers into any number of platforms, right? So we have our own user interface which is amazing. It's super intuitive. Our our clients love it. I mean, it's it exceeds expectations, which is great. But a lot of people are using other platforms, right? So like part of our criteria is like if we can partner with visibility platforms that are already in use and are reputable and you know these are some of the bigger players in the market it just makes sense to push visibility data from our trackers into those that that's just a natural it makes sense um outside of that when you start getting into other types of of partnerships i mean you want to look at what are they offering what it what are their core competencies? What is their value proposition? How does it match up with what we're doing? Does it make sense for there to be a partnership? How are we going to play together? What is this company like from a culture standpoint? From a culture fit, um, do we have relationships there? What value can we provide to them? Because if it's only a one-way street, like you know, that's not that's not you're not setting yourself up for success. So you need to be honest and say like, what are we going to be able to? to provide to our partnerships or to our partners as well. Um, so all of that stuff goes into play as well as the brand. And is this a brand that we want to be as, I mean, there's, you know, Shauna from our team, I'm sure would add a lot of, and <laughs> she's already had her partnerships and I'm sure she could go on and on and on, but yeah, there's a lot to consider.
0: I guess one of them would be um, that your partner pays their employees.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to partner <laughs> with something that's um, that's headed in a bad direction quickly.
0: That is very true. <laughs> yeah, very, very true. And, um, so, so yeah, you'd have, you have to do due diligence, make sure the, the product works. It's not vaporware. Um, uh, that that's another one, right? I mean, uh, things like that because there's a lot of tech companies out there. There's, uh, and not that, you know, uh, well, vaporware is, is yeah. bad, right? But, there's a lot of uh, companies out there who haven't fully formed or, or fully developed their product. Yeah. Right. Which isn't bad. I mean, we've all been there. We've all, you were talking about having prototypes and, uh, and beta versions. And there's nothing wrong with that, that it not being fully functional. Um, but but you, you do have to ask those, those serious questions. Are they ready to go to market?
1: And I think this is why a lot of good partnerships start off with a mutual client. You know, I, I, it's one thing to kind of theoretical or theoreticize. Is that a word? I can I, I, I just sit, sit, sit
0: it's around and, up.
1: like, think about how we...
0: I'm from Oklahoma. Anything's okay. close enough to in a word. It's
1: one thing to just sit around <laughs> and think about how you could work together. It's another thing to say, here's a client, a real-life example, and, like, let's put it to use, even if we don't have every little you know, I dotted and T cross, like let's start working with the client to get this hammered out, um, and drive value to them. And then that's going to give us a roadmap for how we can work together going forward as well.
0: It, it, it's a really good point because everything's, I forget what I was talking. I, I was talking to Curtis Schreiber from XO freight. At, I, I'm put that coffee down. I record, recorded one for uh, TV, you know, that should be airing in the next week or so. Um, but we're talking about, you know, failures and things like that. But you know, not being afraid of fail. But everything's an experiment, right? Everything that you do, you should be running a lot of experiment experiments, seeing if something works, right? And, and that's part of it. You start with very small experiments that are not uh, risky, really, because you're not really out time or money because of it. And, and part of that is is running test case test case studies with people that you want to partner yep. with and coming up with a prototype of, of how we do this. And if it doesn't really work, if you can't prototype it, then there's no reason to have these grand dreams uh, about what you're going to do. And it will lead you to know who the, the, the best partner for you is to to, to kind of go
1: yeah, to market. I think market. it's important to like as salespeople to connect with the salespeople that are at your, your partner companies and get to know them, build relationships there. And I think the benefit there is that as you learn the other product, you now have tools in your arsenal that you can bring to your clients and in your conversations that can differentiate you and say, listen, I can get you connected over here. I know about this. You're now a product expert on your own company as well as another, and you can start having more strategic conversations with your clients and prospects around driving more value. And I think if you have somebody that's doing the same thing at, at your partner company and the two of you are able to work together in that way, especially if you're aligned in the same vertical or something of the like, you're 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 now you're there's teamwork happening and there's I, as much as i hate the word there's real synergy that can like exist from there like synergy. you can build some pipeline that way you can drive more value for your own client base and um ultimately i think it's a it's a, a neat way to sell and uh yeah it's, it's worth doing
0: Another point, you know, we've we've talked about it on um, previous episodes of Put That Coffee Down. It's kind of one of our buzzwords, too, is you don't want to be a salesperson. You want to be a consultant. And if you know what the industry is doing, if you know what the market's doing, if you know things outside your company and you can advise people, you become a consultant. And people buy from consultants. People People write blank checks to consultants. They... Grudgingly open their wallet for salespeople, which is another reason
1: why it's good to form partnerships with consultants.
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Exactly <laughs> right. Yes.
1: But I think to your point, like uh, Andy Paul, you know, has written some really great, uh, one really good sales book recently. Mm-hmm. Who also I, I think think be a great person for you to bring on this show. I think his insights are phenomenal. But he he defines value as anything that helps your prospect reach a decision. And I think if you yes. approach sales as I'm going to give you white papers and information, and I'm just going to give you all the in- insight that I can to m- help you make the most educated decision possible, it kind of reframes the whole conversation. I'm not trying to persuade or, or you know, you to making this decision mm-hmm. that's in my favor. I'm, I'm now approaching this from how can I help you make an educated decision around this issue that you're trying to solve?
0: Oftentimes, you see this in, in consumer facing marketing and brands. We're talking about influencers or or whatever it may be, lifestyles, right? And you talk about lifestyle, you, you, you're sitting there with a hand-up glove, a uh, hat, which is, uh, I guess, your neighbor that, that we had on, on, on air that does mic- mountain biking gloves and ski gloves and <clears throat> golf gloves and, and things like that is, is not necessarily talking about your offerings, but talking about what people, your target market cares about. And sometimes those are a little bit disjointed, um, but you have to go meet your target market where they're at.
1: Yeah, I think that um, you know, people don't want to be sold to. I don't think, and I even think about myself. People don't want to be um, manipulated or influenced. Like, I, I don't want to <laughs> hear that I was influenced. You know, like now I feel I feel dirty. I feel like, how did somebody get the best of me? Right, like. Mm-hmm. Um what I do want yeah, what I do want is to be heard. And if I have a problem and I've verbalized my problem, I don't want you to just cut me off and just tell, "Oh no, 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 I can fix it like, you know, like I want to be heard." Yeah. And I think a lot of people want to be heard. And I think in discovery and early on in a sales process, your job isn't selling at that point. Your job is listening and asking good questions and showing mm-hmm. empathy. And hearing people like really, really hearing people and being open to everything that they're saying, whether it falls within your fairway or not. And I think that's where having good partnerships set up on the side wings can be so beneficial from a sales standpoint, because if you're really, really listening and hearing and you're going to be honest about trying to find a solution to meet a clients needs, there's a good chance it might involve your solution plus another or two others or something of the like, um, but and, and I think that you're going to show that you're listening that way as well to your prospect when you're saying, "I hear you, I, I understand your problem, and from where from my seat, I feel like you need these things to fix it to really fix it." Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think listening is is fundamental right now.
0: I I think it's fundamental and I I think um, and I've been going off on this tangent for I don't know a couple months now is that the the, the worst question in discovery that you can ask um, is what are your (laughs) pay I think the a better question is in a perfect world how would you design your own work process whatever it may be whatever you're selling right and and going from there right because then they're going to Buy into the eventual solution, not not just buy in. though they're going to create their own eventual solution. That then you provide, you build something to 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 serve their master plan almost. So it becomes their master plan. You are just helping them out, right?
1: Yeah, and, and I agree with the pain point. I mean, that's that's such a scripted question that I think everyone just goes, "Oh, no. oh you you are reading off of a script." Um. And side note, as much as I love talking about all of these things, like me putting them all into practice, like it's like I'm still getting better. So, (laughs) I'm still learning.
0: Yeah, no, we're we're not.
1: I I do agree that like you have to, you know, think about like when you go to the doctor. The doctor might ask you what hurts, but oftentimes you're like, what's what brings you in today? Like, what's going on? What? Um, yeah. and unless you made a, 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 an appointment because you know, your bone sticking out of your arm and it's like abundantly obvious what the issue is, but, you know, oftentimes there's a level of questioning that has to occur to that is the combination mm-hmm. of like targeted questions with real empathetic listening, um, that can allow you to uncover and really discover what's going on at the root. And I think that's difficult. You got to peel back four, five, six, seven layers of the onion to really get down to what the root cause of an issue is, and people are not willing to just jump to that level right out of the gate. No,
0: they're not. They're, they're not because they they are skeptical. They are skeptical about what you're trying to do, and if you ask about negative things like pain points, it's going to turn into things you know listing off negative things. Whereas if you if you ask, because you're going to get the same information no matter how you ask this, you can say pain points, or you can say, "Hey, in your perfect world, how would how would this department work, look? Right? How would it work? How would it look?" And then they describe their dream, and you see where you can add value to it, and you add value to where you can, and um, and then you can uh, provide your own insights into how to make it better instead of how to solve pain points, because you know.
1: Yeah, it's and I think that again getting to the partnership bit, like if you're being brought into a conversation by one of your partners who already has that line of trust and good relationship built, then it's a, a way to fast forward some of that and and get into a meteor conversation a lot quicker, you know. And the same thing when you have good trust built with one of your prospects and you're in the trenches with solution development and, and putting things together. And then you loop in a, cl- a partner to say, like, we want to bring them in to address this specific issue that that's been brought up in this process, that type of back and forth between two partners that's driven around customer value can it's a it's a cheat code almost, or, or like a way, like a it's like getting the star in Mario. Like you can just mm-hmm. run through a whole line of discovery and get straight into what the meat of the situation is.
0: You you can. I mean that's the, the great thing about partnerships. Uh, but it is, it is a lot of hard work and a lot of specialized knowledge, and it's something that you can't. What's the word? You I mean, you can't say, "Well, I'd like to do this," and you have to go all in. I guess that's the best way to put it, right? You have to go all in and specialize in it and become really good at it, just like anything else in life.
1: I think that it requires like companies being honest about what they're good at and what they're not good at, because I think a lot of companies want to present mm-hmm. this, this, this a,
0: idealized version well, of we can't do anything. We know wrong. everything
1: about everything, and we have you covered on every possible vertical and niche and we got you taken care of and you don't need anything else except for this. Um, and, and I think that's rarely the case. I think when companies understand where their strengths are at and where their weaknesses are at and if they can form partnerships to fill in those gaps, then, you know, it, you know, you use like the example of the elephant, you know, where someone's holding the tail and they're like, this is a snake. And then someone's holding like the belly and you are like, this thing is a whale. And, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone's, convinced that what they're holding on to is the God-given truth, and it is, but until you zoom out, you're like, oh, this thing's got lots of parts, you know, and like <laughs> partnerships mm-hmm. kind of give you some some access to understanding what other parts look like, and and I, I think that can be powerful.
0: It can. It, it, it can, and it can kind of build scale within your, your sales game, by leaning on different people outside building a team synthetically in a lot of ways and the this benefit of partnerships it has some downfalls but it's well worth the, the the work and effort it takes to 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 put in to make it happen but you have to see it all the way through and it's not easy but if you see it all the way through it will pay real dividends in in the future because it's a long-term strategy and you have to figure out your short-term yep. game But you have to keep your eyes on that long-term. Yeah, it's like
1: diversifying your your portfolio of stocks and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you can't just say, like, I'm going to run off of partnerships only. Unless you're that one company I was talking about, like, that's all they do. But, like, (laughs) you got to...
0: And it probably wasn't just like, "Oh, this is what we're gonna do." There probably a series of pivots exactly. in the background before they got here and figured figured exactly. it out.
1: But so, like, you have you have to diversify that with some partnership work, and then your own outreach and target you know, marketing, mm-hmm. and, and so on and so forth. So,
0: so in the day to, to to find good partners, you have to build the value your value <laughs> yeah. up, and that's by building up your own business, right? It, and that's one of the things, I, I think one of the, the the tough parts about doing sales partnerships is that a lot of people just don't bring any value yep, to the table.
1: 100%. And, and I think you have to be really honest about those conversations and you have to have those conversations early mm-hmm. and build the trust so that everybody knows what, what we're doing and, and what's in it for them.
0: Yep, exactly right. Well, Richie, it's been a great talk, catching up with you. I'm glad it's going great with you over at Tive. And, um, you know, how does our audience get a, get a hold of yeah, you? Yeah,
1: so that my email changed. You know, that's a thing that happens, you know. <laughs> you start it does, to yeah. do So it's richie.daigle at tive.com, R-I-C-H-I-E dot D-A-I-G-L-E at tive.com. I'm on the LinkedIn from time to time as well, so you can find me there. And, yeah. um, yeah, if there's, you know, if knowing where shipments are located and the conditions that they're in, uh, in real time is important, um, happy to help people out in any way we can.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. And of course you can catch, uh, the video version of put that coffee down every Tuesday at 12 PM Eastern time on FreightWave waves TV and download on the podcast. Either Freight Cats, which has the entire universe of Freight Waves podcasts, like What the Truck, Point of Sale, uh, Freightonomics, you know, all our great titles, as well as its own channel as well. Put that coffee down with Kevin Hill. But thanks for joining us today, and go out there and make some margin, make some dollars, create some partnerships, and just be successful. Be positive and read Sun Tzu Art of War. If you haven't, you must.
1: That's awesome. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Kevin.
0: You bet. No, you don't. Here
1: I come. No, you don't.